Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening. Just a few things I'm going to talk about. If I can. We'll talk a little more. About the prodigal son. I don't think most of us are, are familiarized enough with the story to there's no need for me to read the entire parable again, but we all know that the the prodigal son was the younger son of, of two that came to the father and said, Give me you know, the inheritance that befalls to me. and It could be, and I believe, better translated that the father divided up his life, not necessarily his living. That he distributed his life. The very thing that gives life to the son is the life of the father. He gave his, he gave his living to the son. The son inherited, took the inheritance, and we know that the Bible says that he squandered it on riotous living. He squandered it on riotous living and he found himself in the pig pen. And the pig pen, the pig pen is, is what, what he considered or what he had found himself as uh, his identity. And others looked upon him as the young man in the pig pen. Not knowing that what truly identified him was the father. And that even after he had lost everything, if he would just go back into the Father's presence and to the face of the Father, the Father would not only restore what he had squandered, but he would multiply and amplify what he had in the Father's presence. You have to understand that we are beginning to, in in culture and society, (coughs) begin to deem our success on what 
what we have as far as uh, materialistic things and sadly but surely we begin to consider our success in how many people like us or how many people will eat us up to our face or how many people um, will be acquainted with us or associated with us or will acknowledge us or it's it's this thing it's this scheme of networking how many people can I attach myself to or how many people can I entice to attach themselves to me because we want this whole the whole misconception of the kingdom identity and the kingdom mentality is that it's my kingdom and it's not my kingdom the only thing that I have to be connected to is the father the only thing that I need to be connected to that that initially identifies me to the kingdom is the king it's not my kingdom but that's the way we begin to approach this thing especially in modern society and, and most assuredly in the modern church in the direction of this wind in it's my ministry it's my anointing it's my calling uh, it's my organization it's it's my 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 everybody wants to be distinguished and set apart for what they have and that's to me that's not necessarily actually I think it's positively absolutely not the direction that we should be going so we all know the story about the prodigal son we all know the story about the elder son that refused to go in and celebrate um, the, to celebrate the younger son that had came home that was once dead but is alive who was <clears throat> lost but now is found and one thing that I want you to know is that when nobody else will celebrate you the father will celebrate you the father will celebrate you when you have nothing Listen, your friends will only celebrate you when you have things. They will only celebrate you when there's something that they can gain or obtain from celebrating you. The Father will celebrate you when you have nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table. You are worthless even in your own sight, but he, is, you, he looks upon you as the priceless one, beloved son. He will celebrate you when no one else will. He will celebrate you when family facade won't even celebrate you. Why? Because there is nothing that you can do successfully wise or in the earth that will make him love you or adore you all the more he there is nothing that you can do that will make him despise you there is nothing that you can do to make him love you more because he cannot love you more than he already does we have worked in this earth to make to obtain things to get people to look at us in different lights to look at us with admiration and to acknowledge us with accolades and that's been the norm in society and it's 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 transferring over to the church today especially men in positions that stand behind pulpits or begin to walk in an anointing i've seen i've seen many people have an anointing on their lives but they lose it because they <clears throat> they use their anointing or i call it the heavenly inher heavenly inheritance in order to try to buy friends <clears throat> The ministry was never supposed to be an opportunity or an initiative for you to buy friends. The ministry was the, was the initiative, or the invitation, I should say. The ministry is the invitation for you to walk in the Father's presence. How many times did Jesus use his anointing to buy friends? I can show you multiple times in the Bible where because of his anointing, he lost friends. But it was his anointing that gave him permission and access to walk in the presence of the Father. 
He had 12 friends, one betrayed him, one denied him. Some pretty good friends, don't you think? <clears throat> and yet, he still is turning the world upside down. Even atheists, when they hear the name Jesus, begin to quiver. Why? Because they say it's in anger. But I believe it's actually in fear. So we all know, we all know the, the, the parable of the, of the prodigal son. I want to give you some thoughts. And some of you, if you follow me on Facebook, I, well, that's weird. I don't even like to say it that way. If you see my Facebook, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. Yeah, like my says, share, comment, subscribe. I feel like the prodigal son had many friends and a multitude of acquaintances who praised him with flattery. Why? Because they knew what they could access with vain affections, his inheritance. What I mean by that is there are so many people that will look at the anointing or the calling on your life and immediately try to, to, try to attach themselves to that calling and that anointing. Why? Because they want to utilize it for their benefit. I see this I see over and over and over, and you, you can, all of you can contest to this or attest to this, I should say, is some people, and Facebook is, they some jokers on Facebook, man. You know, they, 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 they don't particularly like the people that they're eating up to their face on Facebook. But they know that those jokers on Facebook can eventually gain them access to more networking and other acquaintances and associates that would be able to further their agenda and their ministry. It's really, I will, I will exalt your name if you'll promote mine further. That's really what it is. And, and that's what happens is a lot of time is the prodigals, and I'm really hearing this term prodigal pastors and prodigal preachers, that will inherit and an anointing from the Father, it will be handed down from a heavenly realm and throne. And they will immediately take it and run with it. Leave the presence of the Father and try to operate in what they have received in the absence of the Father. And in the absence of the Father is where it was never intended to operate in. And it completely fails them. And this is why they have to attach themselves to other ministries and other uh, other organizations in order to try to keep their name relevant and in order to try to keep their name fresh on people's minds and tongues because they're no longer operating in an anointing they're operating under association and it doesn't work that way why because once you begin to operate in the association you're operating in disassociation because you're no longer associated with the presence of the father You've got to understand if you have an anointing on your life, and I believe that every born-again believer has an anointing on their life to walk in. And it gives you permission and access to walk in that anointing only in the presence of the Father. There's this term that I use, home. Most of you have, are remembering that I will say, go home, return home. Home is not a physical place. Even me finding home here at this place, I will tell you what that really means. It means that I learned some some absolute spiritual truths at a place called home. At a little place in the middle of nowhere called Laurel Brass Church of God, God called me home. Where is home? In His presence. That's where home is. 
That's where home is. That's the only place where home can be is in the Father's presence. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. In my Father's presence, I have a place to live. In my Father's presence, I have a place to live. With one, of the, one of the greatest revelations I ever learned was the prodigal son. And, and just a short, small parable. Thank God the prodigal made it home. But there is so much insight and enlightenment that I overlooked for many years until now. And the Lord has set me free because of the revelation of sonship. I believe the prodigal son assumed his acquaintances would always be there because they had convinced him that they actually loved him. But they only envied and wanted what he carried. They will see what you carry. They will recognize the anointing on your life. And they will, they will flatter you. They will eat you up to your face. They will convince you that they love you and that they adore you. But the only thing that they are after is what you carry. And it is the inheritance and your anointing. Listen, I don't believe that I listen. Let me, before I go any further, I, believe, I do not believe that the prodigal son squandered his inheritance alone. I believe that he had accomplices. I believe that it was the people that I'm talking about that saw what he carried and took advantage of his generosity, took advantage of his mercy, took advantage of his graciousness and said, you know what, I'm going to tap into that resource and I'm going to do it through flattery. I'm going to do it through acknowledgement. I'm going to do it through adoration and admiration. But I do not care about him. I only care about what he carries. There are pharisaical and there are parasitical people. And people who walk as, as in, in, in this parasitical idea, I guess you would say, are, does anybody know what a parasite is? Everybody in here pretty, pretty much knows what a parasite is. A tick will attach themselves to you to tap into the vitality and the life source that is keeping you alive. And they will, they will gorge themselves on what is keeping you alive with no regard to whether you die or not. Most of us have had dogs in the rooms. We used to run coon dogs, me and my dad, and we had to worm them all the time. Because you could feed them, feed them, feed them, feed them, feed them, and they would still be a rack of bones. Why? Because the parasites attach themselves to the soft tissue within the intestines and they begin to draw and they begin to pull vitality away from that living organism until it'll eventually die. Parasites in ministry. Going on. I believe it would be fitting to say that the prodigal son was generous with his newly acquired fortune and as fitting to assume that many took well advantage of him for it. Their praises of him came with a price. So be careful of those that praise you for your inheritance but never honor you with investment. They'll deplete you of your substance to fill their own belly, then leave you emaciated and desperate in the pig pen. Salah. 
As long as the prodigal son had the resources, I would say he had friends. Friends who only pulled from his wealth, his living, but never vested or invested into him in any capacity, his life. A parasite will pull from your living, but never invest into your life. People who do not honor you, and I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about me as a pastor or myself as a preacher. I'm talking to you that there are people that are attaching themselves to your lives because of what you walk in and the heaviness of the anointing that you carry. And they're trying to tap in what is your vitality and your life source, but they do not care whether they deplete you and that you... you Or that you die. Because they have no concern or consideration of anyone or anything other than themselves. And we know that the world is full of these people. But we, 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 we sat back and we have convinced ourselves that the church has none of these people in them. How many times have you tried to help somebody? Hmm? How many times have you tried to help somebody and every time they come to you with a need, they're telling you, you know what, the Lord's been dealing with me. I'm going to start going to church. If I can get out of this mess, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to church and I've been praying and I, you know, I've been thinking about going to church. And as soon as you write them that check or you give them that money or you put gas in or whatever it is they need, I mean, <clears throat> most of the time. It's always been uh, uh, cigarettes. I, I need cigarettes or whatever it is, you know. And as long as you're supplying that need and you're supplying that, that habit, we'll say, they're on the brink of finding Jesus. But the moment you refuse to supply their necessity, all of a sudden they don't need you no more. They don't know you anymore. They don't want to be acquainted with you no more. And you never see. I had a guy one time tell me, he said, uh, we were talking about an individual. He said, <clears throat> and let me just be honest with you. The guy that I was talking about was rough. And this is what he told me. He said, you want to know how to get rid of him? I said, how's that? He said, give him a $20 bill. You'll never see him again. Because he don't want to have to pay you back. They'll pull from your wealth, but they'll never invest into your life. I tried him. I did it. He never come back. True story. Yeah, and, here, and here's the thing. Other ministries. If I had a dollar. Then let's just be honest with you. If I had a dollar for every time I got invited to come hear somebody else preach. I'd have a big bank account. If I had a dollar for every time I got invited to come hear somebody else preach, or I got invited to come uh, experience somebody else's church service, or I got invited to come listen to somebody else's revival, or I got, I got invited to sow into somebody else's ministry, I would have enough money in a bank account to build, rebuild this building, I promise you. But I guarantee you, if we took a ratio of how many times I've been invited to come hear somebody else preach versus how many times I've been invited to come preach, it would completely deplete everything that I had saved from the invites to come hear somebody else preach. 
Because nobody wants to hear me preach. They want me to sow into their lives and sow into their ministry and give them money so that they can continue their cause. But they do not sow into what we do here as a church. And people don't like me, I guess, because I'm not going to be the prodigal pastor. I'm not going to use what God gives me or the Father sends me out with and squander it on people that are not willing to sow into the man of God or the kingdom of God. Who will not blink an eye to pull from you. But how dare anyone expect them to sow back? I promise you, if you want everybody to be happy in your church on a regular basis, cut, cut them a check on a quarterly basis or on a weekly basis. Cut, cut them a check and help them pay their bills. And, they, they'll, and they'll never leave. But you preach to them on Sunday morning. They're not there. And, and you know what this is? This is the riches of the kingdom. Eternal truths are what are going to set you free. I mean, listen, I, let me just be honest with you. I can't, you know, I, I would have way more money in my retirement if I would quit living irresponsibly and then at the end of the year try to get myself out of debt that I didn't need to get myself into by pulling out of, you know what? I, I was using my retirement as a resource to live irresponsibly. Because, and people do this. They will use you, raise your hand, all of you, will be used somewhere along the line as a resource to fund somebody else's irresponsibility. Let me tell you, let me help you out with that. God does not expect you to squander your inheritance on somebody that is not willing to live a discipled lifestyle and be responsible for their own actions. I've heard people tell me all the time, and here, here's where I'm at with this. Don't come and complain about your church, and, and people don't, don't come and complain about, to me about their church anymore because they didn't like my advice. My advice was leave. I had a guy one time sat down, and he literally started the conversation complaining about his church 45 minutes later. I'm looking at my watch. I said, well, man, i got to go. But I said, Here, here's, what, here's my best advice for you. I said, if your church is that bad, I said, you need to leave. Didn't like that because they wanted to complain about the situation they, they was in. If you're going to complain about the situation you're in and not get out of it, don't complain about it. I complain about my debt. Ask Brandy. I complain about my debt a lot. I can't complain about it if I'm not willing to get out of it. But complaining about it never was never, never even started or initiated me a way to get out by complaining about it. And so they were well, you know what? I, I I I pay my tithes and I sow into this ministry, but this debt, I said, you know what? I said, I don't think God expects you to sow into a dead ministry. Matter of fact, I think God expects you to sow into a live ministry. Because you know what? God don't want me to throw my money away. And I believe and I, I, I preach in paying tithes. I pay tithes faithfully. But I do not believe that God wants me to pay my tithes into a minister or into someone that is only there to pull from my resources. 
Amen? I say it all the time. I said, listen, if, if your church is that dead and you're complaining about this and you're complaining about that, I said, guess what? You're going to die with it if you don't get out of it. And that's why I've never really gotten upset of anybody that wanted to leave here because if, he, if I was killing you, then get out. I don't want to kill nobody. I want everybody to have a life worth living. I want to be a benefit and I want to be... I, I want to be something that helps you along your way in life. I don't want to beat you down all the time. I know most of y'all think that that's all I'm good for is beating you up and beating you down. I hope that's not all I'm, I'm thought of. I, I really want to help you become better in every aspect of your life. Am I better than you? Absolutely not. But I guess what? I took the first step and said, you know what? I am, <laughs> I've messed this up. I can't tell you how to get out of your pig pen if I'm still in my pig pen. But I know what it's like to be in the pig pen because I've been there. I was there for a long time in a pig pen. I was squandering my inheritance. I lost my anointing. Why? Listen, Brother Seth. I just want to tell you, you're so much bigger than this. You've got an anointing on your life. You've got a calling on your life. I just can't wait to see what God does with you. I know that you're going to pastor a mega church, and you're going to do great and phenomenal things. And I began to walk in my own hype. You know what? They wasn't sowing into me by saying, Pastor Seth, we know what you're walking in. We know what you got. And we want, we, want, we, want to, we want to sow in. You know how many times they've sowed into my ministry? Let me give you another analogy. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said, I'm going to follow your ministry wherever you go, and I'm going to be a part of your ministry wherever it is, and I turn around, and when I, they were not there, I would have enough money to build this church again. I would. But what were they doing? They were trying to tie themselves in association with what they recognized on my life it wasn't because they really was they wanted to sow into my ministry to further what i was walking in no they wanted to to re, they wanted to reassure that if i got there they would have a seat at my dinner table that's what they were doing I look back now and I can see where many people tried to attach themselves to the ministry here and into my anointing only because they, 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 had, they were going to use it for the better of their agenda to further their agenda so that they could advance themselves using my anointing. Amen? How many of you walk in an anointing? All of you. Is it my anointing? I say my anointing only because I carry it, but it's not my anointing. You've got to understand, that if, if we're afraid to talk about walking in an anointing, we're, it's, actually, it's actually an insult to Jesus because Jesus is the one that gave you his anointing for you to walk in because he wants you to walk in his identity. And it is his anointing or his inheritance that allowed him to walk in this earth but still stay connected to the Father. You know what I want you all to do? Every one of you in here, young, old, alike, I want you to start walking in such a communion with the Father that people start looking and seeing the sun on you. 
That's, that's what I want. I don't want, I don't, listen, I don't want you dependent upon me. Because that's prodigal pastors. They use their anointing to buy friends or they use their anointings to develop dependence. I need you dependent upon me because I need you always. Because guess what? If I can make you feel dependent upon me, I can boost my esteem because I will convince myself that your association with me is because you need me. It works two different ways. I don't want you dependent upon me. I don't want you to be an associate or an acquaintance with me. I want to, you to be I want you to be brethren and sons and daughters in the same home, in the same house with me, under the presence and the anointing of the Father. I want us all to walk in that same anointing. I want listen, I want you to walk in such an anointing that you don't have to call Pastor Seth in the middle of the night to pray for your arm or whatever it may be. I want you to get up and say, you know what? I'm gonna get in touch with my daddy. I'm gonna get in touch with Abba. I'm going to call upon the Lord because He is Abba and I am His son. He is Abba and I am His daughter. I want you to come and thank me for the revelation I gave you because it helped. But I want you to walk in that anointing. I want you to walk in that revelation that I am beloved. Mm. Where was I? As long as the prodigal son had the resources, I'd say he had friends. Friends who only pulled from his wealth, living, but never vested or invested into him in any capacity his life. Listen to what I'm about to say. Chasing and pleasing people will drain you of your life. Chasing the Father will restore it. I really believe, and I said this earlier, I don't believe that the prodigal squandered his inheritance solely alone. I believe that it was because he had associations, acquaintances, and attachments that helped draw and pull from his resources until they helped him completely deplete it. And once it was depleted, they moved on to the next resource because they were not willing to sow into the man that they had helped pull from his anointing. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you haven't been already... I pray that when you do, you will remember the words that I'm going to tell you. They will sell you out to the pig pen, but he will redeem you as the father. They will sell you out to the pig pen, but there is one that is willing to redeem you from the price of your mistakes. His name is Abba. Many of us will lay and continue to, to sulk in our own despair in the pig pen. But all you need to do is shake yourself and start your pathway back home to Abba. Amen? Sadly, but typically, when he, the prodigal son, and his acquaintances had finally exhausted his inheritance and he could no longer be a resource to their agendas and desires, they abandoned him and left him rejected and neglected. His value to their relationship was solely dependent upon his monetary worth. What they could gain from being associated with him. Don't allow others to lessen your value because they only value you by what they can gain from you. 
So listen when I say be careful with who you share your inheritance with. They may just sell you out to the pig pen when you're not valuable enough to them anymore. Salah. Hmm? Have you been in the pig pen? Maybe more than once. The Father is redeeming you because even with nothing, you're priceless to Him. Hmm? How many of us believe that we got to have accolades and notches on our belts before we can come and the Father will be proud of us? I said last Sunday, I said, this kid come running up the road and he had pig poo up his shirt, down his shirt, the front of his shirt, and the back of his shirt. They could smell him a mile away and he stunk to high heaven, but the father wrapped his arms around his neck, kissed him and embraced him and began to cover him up with a robe. Guess what? The stench of the pig pen could no longer be, uh, could no longer be distinguished over the, over the smell or over the fragrance of the father's robe. I, listen. Did he save the robe for him? No. I believe that it was the father's robe. It was hanging in the father's closet, in the father's bedroom chambers. And the father loved the son enough to go get that robe and put it on him so that when he walked in the house, everyone in the house smelt him, the father, and not the pig pen on the son. He loved you enough to cover up your stench. He loved you enough that even when you had failed him before, he put a signet ring on your hand to tell you, you know what? You're going to walk in my image and you're going to walk in my authority. And I'm going to put sandals on your feet that when you walk, it's because I've ordered your steps. Hmm? Come on. Get out of the pig pen. If you ain't there already, get out of the pig pen. You know what? I love you enough to not let you lay in the pig pen. But guess what? It might hurt. You ever... You know... I, I never was much of a farmer, but my uncles were, and I don't reckon they'd done a whole lot of pig farming, but they'd done a whole lot of cattle farming, and when the cow got down, guess what? They'd go down there with a new holler or a John Deere tractor and tie a chain around that joker's neck, and they would start pulling on that, and a bunch of them would get up underneath it, and that cow would moan and groan because it was in pain, but once they got it back on its feet, it walked on its own accord. Somebody better say Amen. Sometimes getting you out of your pig pen is going to hurt, and you'll thank me later. The Father never meant for you to squander the life inheritance, life inheritance, because He did not give you His living. He bestowed upon you your life. The life of the Son is solely dependent upon the life of the Father. The Father never meant for you to squander the life inheritance He has bestowed upon you to acquire friends, fame, and greater fortune. It was never yours to begin with, understand? He bestowed it upon you with a hope that you'd use it to expand and represent His influence throughout the region in which He sent you. Let me tell you what I believe. And here's where, the, here's where he messed up. He took what he, he received of the Father and ran with it. It was never intended for him to take what he received of the Father outside of the Father's house. Okay? 
Well, brother, we got to get outside the four walls. I'm not, I'm not talking about the church being his house. I'm talking about his presence being his house. Listen, you, can't, you won't operate in an anointing here if it's outside his presence. You, won't walk, you, won't work in, you will not walk in an anointing out there if it's still outside his presence. I'm not talking about going outside the four walls of the church. I'm talking about getting outside of the presence of God and trying to operate in an anointing that was never intended to operate outside the presence of the Father. Listen, Jesus left heaven, but he operated under an anointing that only he could operate under because he was still in the presence of the Father. Amen. Amen. Do you know what home is? Home is an acronym. Let me give this to you. It is him over me everywhere. Him, his presence. Over me, he reigns over me wherever I go. Me everywhere. Him over me everywhere. I found home at a place called Laura Branch Church of God. What did I find? It was not a place to dwell. It was a man to dwell in. It was the presence of a God that I may dwell in and inhabit all the days of my life. One thing have I required, or one thing have I desired. That I may live in the tabernacle of the Most High. That I may dwell in the tabernacle of the Most High. That I may live in the presence of the Father and dwell and inhabit the presence of the Father. And when I do that and I obtain that, He will give me permission and access to operate in the anointing that I'm only allowed to operate in, in His presence. Come on, your pig pens, because you're not operating in the presence. You had an anointing, but you took it upon yourself to take it where it was never meant to go. Never take your inheritance or your anointing and run with it. It won't hold its value in the absence of the Father. Amen? Don't take your inheritance or your anointing and run with it. It will never hold its value in the absence of the Father. It is worth zero in the absence of the Father. It will be priceless in the presence of the Father. Do you know why it's priceless in the presence of the Father? Because it's priceless because the resource will never be exhausted. He is the endless supply of glory, riches, and wealth. The anointing, life inheritance, a heavenly inheritance. You will have a limited, abundant resource only if you're still connected to the presence of the house, the Father. Amen. Let's talk about prodigal pastors for a little while. I'm probably not even going to get to what I wanted to. I'm not going to. Prodigal pastors, those that take their anointing, their heavenly inheritance, and squander it on riotous living. What is riotous living? Again, I've told you that I don't believe that he squandered his inheritance solely alone. I believe that he had acquaintances, accomplices. I believe that when he squandered it on riotous living, it was the lives of those who weren't interested in sowing back into the man of God and kingdom. Those that deny sonship and defy the Father. They share... Their inheritance with intentions of increasing, prodigal pastors, they share their inheritance with intentions of increasing their own profit, fame, and fortune. 
It's no longer about sons producing sons within Abba's house. It's become the norm for wayward sons who are desperately trying to make a name for themselves using the anointing that was never theirs to begin with. They take what the Lord, the Father, bestows on their life and all of a sudden it becomes their anointing. It becomes their ministry. It becomes their church. It becomes their whatever it is. You know the only time that you can inherit what was the Father's and you can then take sole possession of it is when the Father dies. Guess what? He's not dead. So whatever he gives you responsibility over, it's still his. And he expects you to take the best responsibility and care of it. He has given you, he has given you his life, which is never ending. The Bible says that he divided unto them his living. It is better translated that he divided unto them his life and he is still living. Guess what? In the pig pen, the son was dead. How do I know? Because the father said, this my son who was dead but now is alive. This son that was lost but now is found. Hmm? You cannot squander the life of one who is still living outside of his presence. You will find yourself in the pig pen on the brink of death. Better or just as good or better, just as good than dead. The only thing that will redeem you back to that life is coming back into the presence of the one that gave you the said life. Why do we see so many ministers die with burnout? Because the pig pen's hard work, man. <laughs> Why do I see so many pastors die from burnout? Because the pig pen is so hard work. You were not created for the pig pen. You were created for nations. Hmm? Come on, I'll explain some more of this. Prodigal pastors, your heavenly inheritance was never meant for theatrics and stage performances. Instead, or intended to draw fans and followers. It was intended to support and supply the Father's house family. It was intended. He put an anointing on your life. He put a call on your life, he gave you a walk so that when you walked in the anointing and the call that he put on your life, it was so that it would support and supply his kingdom. Hmm? Well, he don't need me to support and supply it. No, he doesn't. But he gave you an ability. He gave you an anointing to magnify and multiply and further his influence in the earth. It's not because he needs you, it's because he permitted you to do so. Hmm? It was never meant for you to use to draw fans and followers. The intention of what he placed upon your life was to bring support and it was to supply the Father's purpose. His house and his family. The kingdom When you've lost your heavenly inheritance or your anointing, 
by wasting it on the show, your beloved spectators will soon become bored with your inabilities to keep them entertained and then to disconnect from you. But if you'll reconnect with Abba, he'll restore your inheritance. It'll be a long road back home, but Abba will be waiting to run to meet you. Do you want to know why you can no longer entertain your spectators and then they disconnect from you? Because you were never called to be entertainment to spectators. You were never called to be or you were never called to be entertainers to spectators and once you realize that you can't entertain them enough and they disconnect from you the only thing that you need to realize is it is a consequence of you disconnecting from the father if they're disconnecting from you it's because you are found you have found yourself in a place of disconnection from the father Prodigal pastors, many lose their inheritance as they attempt to expand their influence and popularity outside its intended purpose. Outside its intended purpose, the Father's house. This is because the inheritance or the anointing you've obtained was never intended to operate outside the Father's presence, Salah. I say that it is better for you to, to keep your inheritance or your anointing in Abba's house, his presence, because it'll prove to be worthless to you after you've lost it during the pursuit to buy friends with it. Prodigal pastors. I see so many that once had an, an anointing upon their lives, a heavenly inheritance, but squander it, they lost it, and they ended up in the pig pen with their name in the mud. Why? Immaturity. They couldn't handle what they asked for. There's a lot of people asking the Father to give them the anointing so that they can do it for the glory of the kingdom who were not mature enough and disciplined enough to handle the responsibility and the consequences that come with it. To whom much is given, much is required. It's not that they couldn't have walked in the maturity. It's that they refused to walk in maturity. Why? Because illegitimate sons in the kingdom despise correction. And they begin to walk in rebellion. Do you know what rebellion is? Riotous living. Hmm? riotous living how many of us have squandered what the Lord do you, do you want to know what when I say life inheritance it's the essence of who he is that he has placed and bestowed in you and upon you it is a life that we now live for him it is a life that he redeemed you for. It is, he redeemed you from a previous life. And he, there, he redeemed you for the now life. Listen, I, I'm, I'll, just, I'll just be honest with you, and I've said this before. I believe that I had been saved for many years before I really understood what it was to be born again. I believe I was on my way home. 
But I was not born again until I realized I was a son that was once dead, but lives. Lost and found. There's many that walk in, 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 in the saving grace of God. But they never walk in the anointing of the Son. And that's the big difference here. I was, I've been in conversations over the last couple of weeks. Well, you know what? The world's getting worse. It's not supposed to. And let's put it up in the air. If he's coming back in, in, in either or, it gets worse or it gets better, why wouldn't I want to try to make it better? Let's get this straight. Either or, he's coming back regardless. But if I can make it a better place until he does, why would I not strive to make it a better place first? Why do I wait in the pig pen for him to come after me? He doesn't want me to remain in the pig pen. Let me tell you, it was a grace to the son that the father did not chase him. And let me tell you something. Most of us, ever, for those of us that have kids, it is an injustice for you to chase your kids and visit them in their pig pen. Because it gives them permission to remain there. And here's what we do. We become enablers. Why? Because mm -hmm. the pig pen just wasn't little Johnny's fault. It was everybody else's. They had a part in it. I believe that. But little Johnny should have known better to ever squander his living outside the presence of the Father. And the only thing, listen, until he realizes that the only thing that can redeem him and set him free from the pig pen is getting up and going home to the presence of Abba, then he will remain forever in the pig pen. It was a grace that Abba didn't chase the prodigal son to his pig pen and visit him and tell him, say, and you know what, I know you've had a bad draw and some, the, the, luck, the bad luck has been, but I'm going to tell you I love you all the same and I'm going to support you in anything you choose. Listen, there's just some things you can't support them in. i got a three-foot-long hair wrapped around my arm. I don't know whose it is. Probably mine, right? People probably think I'm the devil. Because I don't, like my kids aren't bad, but trust me. There are just some things I don't support them in. And I, 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 don't, I don't console them and tell them, oh, well, you know what? I know you got in trouble for it, but it ain't your fault. Because that's what a lot of that's what a lot of people do, and that's why they their their children remain prodigal. That's why their sons remain, uh, you know. Listen, they may not they may not be living a riotous lifestyle anymore. Why? Because they can't afford it. They done squandered it all. But they're in the pig pen. You, I guarantee that man right there knows exactly what it's like to watch a loved one in the pig pen. He couldn't afford it no more, could he? And once they stopped enabling him to live in his pig pen, guess what? He got out of it, didn't he? 
Am I telling the truth? The worst thing we can do is enable our loved ones to live inside the pig pen. Is my microphone still working? Got hung in this mop, didn't I? The worst thing we could do is enable somebody to continue living in their pig pen. They Listen, trust me. Whether it's you, whether it's your loved ones, whether it's your friends, we've got to understand they were never created for the pig pen. They were created for the palace and the presence within the palace, the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not talking about, listen, you, you got to visit the sick and afflicted. Come on. You got to visit the widows. I'm telling But I'm talking about visiting them in such a way that it enables them to remain in the sickness and the agony of the pig pen. I've seen people say, well, you know what? I've never seen where Jesus made anybody go through rehabilitation and be restored. Hmm? Well, I never see anywhere where Jesus chased people and he, 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 he flopped around in their pig pen with them. Now, he'll get in your dirt. Trust me, I know he'll get in your dirt. He'll draw a line in his hand. But he expects you to get up out of your pig pen. Why? Because he expects you to come in and through him. He makes a way for you to get out of your pig pen. And he is the way. Where were you going with this, Pastor Seth? No man comes unto the Father but through him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So yes, Jesus does expect someone to be restored. And the only way that he expects them to be restored is through him unto the Father. The only way for you and I to be restored is in the presence of the Father restorative resurrection let me say that again restorative resurrection why? because I believe there's a resurrected remnant I believe there's sons and daughters that are coming to the presence of the father and saying my pig pen I'm coming out of it and I'm going back to Abba's house. And I'm, I, you know what? You, I, go, you can go there all you want to with this mentality that I'm a sinner. You're dang right. And you are saved by grace. But once you get into the presence of the Father, in the grace that has saved you, then you are no longer permitted to stay in a, a, a sinner saved by grace mentality. He will not let you look at the parable. He then immediately promoted him back to the stature and the posture and the position of this my son. If we're still living with, under the, the, the cloak of sinner saved by grace, it's because we've never put on Papa's robe. 
What's three things he never, he never permitted this cat to be called? Prodigal, sinner, or servant? The father never referred to him as prodigal. He never referred to him as sinner. He never referred to him as servant. He said, this is my son. Why is that important? Because there is a place for you. And it's, do you know what the ultimate, the ultimate degree of grace is? Look at the parable. Sonship. There, there, look at the capacity and the magnitude of grace that the Father bestowed upon the one that was dead, alive, lost, but found. That he did not listen. Listen, do you, you know what a sinner saved by grace is? A servant. Okay, guess what that servant wants to do? The, the prodigal come home to try to pay back his daddy for everything that he had squandered. Okay, do you know what the wages of sin is? Death. Do you know what he called this cat? A, my son that was dead but is alive. Why? Because he paid the wages of his sin. He gave his life back to the one that squandered it. Why? Because he came looking for grace. You can't continue to walk in the mentality of I, that I'm a sinner saved by grace and a servant trying to pay off my debt because you'll never pay it off. The son was empty. He had zilch. He had zero. He was worthless. There was nothing he could do to ever repay the father for the wages of his riotous living and squandering his inheritance. Do we not see the grace in sonship? I, he knew, he knew down to the penny of everything that he had squandered. But guess what? It had no value in comparison to the value of the presence of his son. I know what you squandered, but I am glad you came home. And I know just to show you how much I love you, I am I'm, I'm scratching through the debt of what you've squandered and I'm going to give it back to you more so than you could have ever dreamed or imagined. Go get my robe. Go get my ring. Put my shoes on his feet. I'm about to order his steps. And guess what? From that point forward, he operated in the endless resources of his Abba's presence. Come on. I, I'm going to share something with you. I, I'm going to save most of it for next week. Why sons are so important. First Corinthians chapter 15. There's just one scripture I want to show you that what something that the Father has shown me. Let's start with verse 20. Just read along with me till I stop. Go ahead and mark it in your Bibles because we'll talk about it next Sunday too. Well, not next Sunday, I apologize. I won't be I'll be out of town next Sunday. And y'all are 15, 1 Corinthians 15. Y'all will have the privilege to hear Brian next weekend. Is uh, Brandy back there yet? 
Oh, you probably thought she was one of the kids. <laughs> Listen to what the Bible says. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall, put, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. There's a statement here that I want you to look at. He says, here comes the end when he, Jesus, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, Abba. I want you to picture this with me. He is risen. Therefore, he is now the first fruit. Romans 8, and 20, Romans 8 says that he is the first fruit of many brethren. So he is the first fruit, and he has came, and he has presented up to the Father the kingdom. Do you know what the most valuable asset within the kingdom is? It's not the money, it's not the fortune, it's not the territory. It's legacy of sons. So do you not understand that the kingdom of God comes through the resurrection of sons? Everything that is the king's is dispersed to sons. It is dispersed to sons and daughters. Everything that comes from the top, it begins to descend down to those that are sons and daughters. So when Jesus came out of the tomb, he came out, birthed again in the resurrection. And because he was born again in the resurrection, you and I were born again in the resurrected image of the Son. And therefore, we now walk in the kingdom identity of sons. And the Father is handing you the reins to the kingdom. I, that, that was too good. I can't go no further. I hope you get that. Because I want to see evidence of you walking in that revelation. You have been resurrected in the... Res you have been... You are now resurrected in the image of the Son. Resurrected sons being handed the reins of the kingdom. Him, Abba, His presence over me reigning and ordering over me reigning over me and ordering my steps him over me everywhere if you begin to walk in the resurrected image of sons the kingdom reign will be bestowed upon you and you can start making decrees in your region that the father has to make good on do you understand what i'm saying do you know what a decree is Hear ye, hear ye. Making decrees over your home. Making decrees over your family. Making decrees over your job and your finances. Making decrees over your routes that you drive. The road that you live on. Come on. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something next weekend or weekend after next. 
I'm going to share some things with you that the Lord has showed me that he's already made decrees over this place. It's been overlooked, but he's had his eye on it for since, since the beginning of time. This place has been overlooked, but he had his eye on it from the beginning of time. You know how I know? The physical address speaks amplified volumes to my spirit. Think about it. 7 over 4 is the route number. Our physical address is 555. Hmm? I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you. You know what 7 over 4 means? You, you, you should because I've used it for the last year. Spiritual perfection presiding over our earthly matters. Pre, pre, spiritual perfection presiding. Do you know what the word preside means? It means it reigns over. My earthly matters, our earthly matters. You know what 555 means? Five is the number for grace. Three, three fives means divine fullness. We are walking in the fullness of divine grace, seated in the center of the fullness of divine grace. Do you know what that means? The only way that you can walk in the, the seated, only way that you can walk or be seated in the fullness of divine grace is if you come home to Father's house. He bestows the fullness of grace upon those that he calls son. Come on, man. Come on. It's, it's too, I'm not telling you to get up on your feet, but I'm telling you right now. If there ain't something rejoicing on the inside. He had his eye on this place. Why? Because he knew that there was going to be a remnant, a resurrected remnant birthed out of this place. When everyone else said that church is dead, I'm telling you right now, it's about to come alive. It's about to come alive. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. You're going to walk. You're going to walk in those two ideas. Listen, the, how can the physical address? I, I'm not making this up. That's what these numbers mean. That's what the route number is. That's what the physical address is. Seated right in the fullness of divine grace is where you're at. Along the road where he says and gives the promise and makes the decree that his spiritual perfection will preside over everything that you face in your earthly matters. Come on. Come on. I'm going to save a little bit for the next time. Okay? Are you good? Amen. Don't, don't anybody leave. Is Brandy back there? Will somebody look and see if Brandy's back there? She's probably thinking I'm going to preach all day long. I've done a pretty good job. Yeah, let's hope not. Is she? What, one of the kids? Okay. She's back there. Before we uh, leave here, before we dismiss, uh, I don't think it's... Uh, it's a secret to any of us, but Miss Deidre Krauss graduated from high school yesterday. Yep. And now it only means life gets harder. <laughs> but it is what you make of it. Yep, Tylenol and ibuprofen. But we're going to we're going to honor her today for graduation, and uh, 
We're going to have a little celebration following church immediately after the service is concluded. And uh, have a little bit of cake and pizza. Come up here, Dieter. Don't be shy. Come on. Now, you look at there, and I'm going to... Now, everybody... No, 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 no. Everybody tell us whose hair is prettier. I seen y'all pointing at Deidre. Y'all didn't think I was going to turn around, did you? Well, we want to say congratulations to Dee and that we're proud of her, and I, I am personally, and I know that we are as a church. And so before we dismiss, uh, I want us all to come by and congratulate Dee, and then we want, I, want us, I want all of us to say a, uh, a prayer and send her into her divine, ordered future. Longer y'all wait, the longer it takes us to go eat. <laughs> yeah. I said uh, I said the longer it takes us to longer it takes us to eat. Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely Online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia 24822. That is Tithely.ly, T-I-T-H-E dot l y thank you for listening and may god bless you and all that you do today